0: Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion.
1: Here you will find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions.
0: We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of FF+. I'm Aaron, one of your hosts, and with me to talk through some awesome new Disney news is my best friend and co-host, Patrick. Ha! Ha! To yourself, sir. Well, we are coming in about a week after this expo started, and the expo we are referring to is D23, the incredible Disney fan club event essentially. It's almost like a Disney's private version of Comic Con, if you yeah. could think of it like that. Yeah.
1: VIP. Uh, it's a Disney VIP.
0: You know, they have a lot of these. I was thinking back about the fact that earlier this year they have the Star Wars celebration. Yeah. And so then they have this one. I wonder if they have a unique one just for Marvel as well. And then they have Or
1: even one Pixar. One.
0: Yeah, I mean it's crazy, man. Disney's everywhere. D twenty three hit us with all kinds of Disney news. Some of it was pretty amazing some of it was pretty expected um, we're just gonna go through some of it today for you if you haven't heard it keep listening and we will be sure to let you know what's going down we're a movie podcast so i say we start with the movie announcements in the movie news patrick
1: yes sir so let's do you. it yeah
0: well the first thing i wanted to mention is that uh, it was announced kit harrington is joining the cast of the eternals
1: That's a Game of Thrones person, right?
0: It is. I wondered if you were going to pick up on that since you haven't watched the show.
1: No, I'm vaguely familiar with Kit Harington. I know know face, and I vaguely know of an acquaintance to Game of Thrones, but that's about it.
0: No, you know nothing, Jon Snow. (laughs) That's a Kit Harington reference, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, then I I, do know nothing. (laughs) He's Jon Snow, and that's a famous line. So, yeah, Kit Harington's joining the cast of The Eternals along with pretty much every other actor in Hollywood, it seems like. It's one of those movies that they frequently keep announcing new um, actors joining the cast, and we're just like, holy cow, holy cow, kind of like Dune there for a while. Also on this cast list are Richard Madden, also a Game of Thrones alumni. He played John's brother, Rob Stark. Angelina Jolie will be in this film. Uh, Gimma Chan will be in this film, Salma Hayek, Kumail Nanjiani, Barry Keegan, who many people who aren't cinephiles probably don't really know. I'm a big fan of his work, and I'm excited to see him in something like this. He's done a lot of indie work, and he has a very unique look about him. Brian Tyree Henry, who I'm in love with right now and is super hot in Hollywood. He seems like he's piling up in pretty much every movie ever. Uh, And Dong Mao. Um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he is the lead actor in the wonderful zombie movie, Train to Busan. So I am loving this cast. It's super diverse, and Kit Harington joining it is really intriguing. People are saying already that they're looking at the role he's supposedly going to be playing as
1: one that could be a super breakout for him. I guess we shall see. I like what I'm seeing in this cast of Eternals, not only because it's just a lot of people. I think at some point you and I are going to get cast in the Eternals based on just the sheer number of people in this. But awesome. I think when you look at this movie, uh, I'm going to give away a little bit of a spoiler to some of the stuff we're going to be talking about uh, throughout this episode. Disney has really taken the reins in terms of creating an avenue for a lot of representation, a lot of female, a lot of people of color. And I think it's pretty fantastic. I know that they've gotten a lot of criticism in the last several years, particularly in their superhero genres of not being very diverse. And this feels like a natural progression. It doesn't feel like they're trying to be diverse for diversity's sake. So I'm looking forward to the properties that are going to be coming out, not only for their potential originality, but also for the the diversity that we're going to get and seeing Fresh faces, veteran actors on the same screen, really putting together a lot of great stories.
0: Yeah, me too. It's going to be a different phase for sure. It's going to be wholly unique, and I'm really actually intrigued as well to see how it does with the public. Like, is Marvel clout that they've built up with all of these well-known properties and superheroes going to carry them through box office-wise for these harder-to-market unknown properties that's one of the things i'm really intrigued to find out about well another bit of news is that ryan coogler is going to be returning for black panther 2 and that that will be dropping on may the 6th 2022 so sheesh almost three years from now it's a long wait i'm definitely excited for that now knowing that coogler is coming back
1: yeah and i was a little annoyed at the announcement like why are you telling us something that's going to happen you know, two and a half, three years from now. But it's important to know that he wanted to get out the message, at least from the articles that I read, that they're taking their time with the story. They didn't want to rush an idea. And the fact that this is what will be now four years removed from the first iteration of Black Panther. I'd like to believe that phase four and beyond won't be nearly as tied together, which will allow creators like Kugler and others to tell interesting stories with established properties. And I feel like this is an indication that that might be the case, that either that or Kevin Feige is really doing a lot of great planning, saying, OK, Black Panther 2, it's going to do something amazing in 2022. But I'd like to think that that's not the case, that at this point, like you mentioned, the cloud of the Marvel brand at this point is allowing for more of that original, refreshing stories that that aren't necessarily based on comic book ideas or previous stories that we have fresh takes on characters and um, we're trusting the creators with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what phase one was like for Marvel. Honestly. I mean, the, the movies were not all connected right away. You know, we had to go back and watch them and look at them in hindsight and you can start to pick up on the clues and how they were really expertly tied together, but they aren't just outright happening at the same time and such and so forth. So I think that that'll be the way that this phase starts off since we're sort of restarting anew after the events of Endgame. A trailer dropped, or I guess it wasn't even a trailer. This was more like a teaser. It was a second tease for The Rise of Skywalker. And I was not going to watch this, okay? People started posting about it immediately and started freaking out. And it was impossible not to see... The words "Dark Ray" everywhere I look, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, now I have to I have to watch it now." Like, "Dark what?" Excuse me. Um, and so, I decided, "What the heck? I would risk it." Luckily, it doesn't show much. In fact, it is probably what you would consider mostly like a true teaser. It just gives you quick shots that make you go, "What?" And have without context. Um, they also released a really cool poster that was met with. I feel like divisive response but i thought it was amazing i don't know if you had a chance to see it it almost looks like uh the clone wars
1: yeah i looked <laughs> i haven't seen the poster i've seen memes and <laughs> replications of of in, with, the <laughs> with in the back the <laughs> Jar Jar in the back and and a couple of others i think is pretty fantastic uh i think there's a Spaceballs one that i thought was pretty great yeah. uh, I, I watched the trailer as well i yeah i, I think this is probably a good thing because I don't want to know a lot about the final movie of this nine epic nine movie thing. But I, I'm a little, I don't know if I'm annoyed. I'm not as excited as I want to be. And I think that if, if we're making insinuations about what's going to happen, then are we getting return of the Jedi with the possibility of, a Skywalker potentially going to the dark side, maybe, but then making the better choice. I don't know. I love JJ Abrams. I think he is, you know, he's, he's a B plus for me in terms of directing. And I, my fear, Aaron, is that we're just going to get a lot more nostalgia. And I just, I don't know. I'll see it for sure. I'm excited about it, but I'm not geeking out at this point.
0: So I'm in a similar place. I'm actually really excited for it anytime something like a trailer or a teaser like this one drops, and then I find myself quickly fading and not thinking about it at all. And I think it's for that very reason that you just said. I'm not sold that it's going to be something fresh and new. If, let's say, Ryan Johnson was returning to do this final movie, I think I would be more hyped simply because I would trust in the potential for it to take me a place that I'm not expecting it to take me, whereas... I'm a little concerned about that nostalgia, but I'm remaining cautiously optimistic that this is an intentional effort to make us think that it's going to be nostalgic and to play with our emotions and play with our expectations and get us all talking about Dark Ray, and then we're going to get into the movie and it's going to be something completely different. That's probably what's going to happen. At least that's my, my hope. Um, I thought that the teaser was awesome. It was super fun to watch. I totally get why everybody freaked out about it. And that's what you want if you're the studio. A couple quick shots were great. You know, Ray with the, what the heck is that? Like super double-bladed lightsaber. Swiss Army. Swiss Army knife. Did you see the meme? Yes, I did. Oh it's my hilarious. gosh, I died. It actually looks like a Swiss Army knife. Um, there's the shot with her throwing her blue lightsaber across the forest. And as it's whipping through, just cutting down trees. I loved that shot. I love the quick shot of uh, them fighting with lightsabers also like in the ocean on some old something that had crashed i just that with waves crashing all over it i thought that looked amazing reminded me a lot of like blade runner 2049 and kind of the end of that film um and then the shot of them overlooking this big city that looks like a festival or party is going on that has me really intrigued i hope whatever it is is it's a hundred times better than the casino and <laughs> the last movie um but that being said, uh, I'm pretty hyped. I'm excited. I can't wait for it. And I think it's going to be a cool end to the trilogy and to the entire saga, I guess. But yeah, we'll see.
1: I think it'll be at least a really good period. Maybe not an exclamation point, but a period for sure. I've got built-in excitement just because it's Star Wars.
0: Yeah, exactly. It comes with The brand comes with its own minimum, bare minimum there. We also got a quick look at Emma Stone in Cruella. Which will be the live action, a live action remake of the remake that was already made, that was done with, uh, of, of the 101 Dalmatians. That's already been created, but we're getting a second live action remake of it. And this one will feature, as said, Emma Stone as Cruella DeVille. What do you think about her look? She looks very goth. I think it's set like in the 70s or something. She looks punk rock.
1: She does. Yeah. She looks very much like she could take me out with, you know, a a look and uh took
0: me a second not to think that it was
1: oh gosh what's her name bellatrix lestrange oh yeah i know yeah i know who you're talking about johnny depp movies Uh, why (laughs) why
0: can i not think of her name
1: but that's who she's in fight club too uh, yeah yeah,
0: she is she very much is that's who i thought it was
1: Uh, yeah i mean it it would fit perfectly for her just because she's got that kind of quirky quirkiness to it and i think that the character of cruella to think of Emma Stone in that role, I wouldn't have believed it until I see her in full get-up like that, and I'm intrigued by it, because I have no interest in the movie whatsoever, but now I have some interest because of Emma Stone as Cruella.
0: Me too. Same, really. I mean, it's got a lot of cool doggos that are going to be cute, but I will watch anything that Emma Stone does, and I have the utmost Trust that she will knock it out of the park, and it'll probably end up being something surprisingly good. So, uh, yeah. Helena Bonham Carter, by the way, there you go, is the actress that we both forgot existed there for a few minutes,
1: or at least fantastic forgot actress. her name. Yeah. yeah,
0: fantastic actress that we forgot her name. Also, in the <laughs> live-action remake slash CGI talking animal Lion King type department, was the First Lady and the Tramp trailer this is a movie that will be part of the Disney plus launch suite. So it won't be in theaters. I don't believe it's going to just go straight to video on demand with their service. What did you think about lady and the tramp?
1: Not a big fan of the original property. So this didn't excite me very much. I mean, remakes in general are just not doing it for me. (laughs) And so just like there's built in excitement for star Wars, there's built in disappointment for remakes and live actions and reimaginings and whatever we're calling it. So It will not be one that pops up on my radar when uh, Disney Plus drops. But, you know, like anything, it's bound to get a lot of people watching it.
0: So there was a report that came out before D23, I believe, that said the dogs that were cast in this movie were all strays and adopted. And I thought that was kind of cool. They were all rescues. Excellent. So good on them for that. I watched it, and it was, again, it's kind of weird watching – real animals talking it's just not normal yeah yet but it was kind of tender and sweet it looks to me a lot like a straight to video movie as did the bill Hader and a kendrick christmas movie noel the trailer for that one looks like a movie that you would see on the hallmark channel just maybe a little brighter and a little crisper but you can see why these films are probably being slated for Disney plus and not given theatrical runs. And I think that's probably part of the strategy. Of course. And that's, that's fine. I
1: mean, yeah, more content is, is really the strategy. Let's just throw a bunch of stuff out there. We've got a playground. Let's, let's use it. I also, if there's anything that lady and the tramp has going for it, it takes place at Christmas at some point, which is always a good thing. So would this be a Christmas movie? Because it takes place at Christmas, at least in one scene you're on in, mute in
0: my opinion i'm gonna say yes okay i do believe that christmas movies are just movies that have christmas at the center of them
1: so. okay <laughs> you heard it here first folks
0: <laughs> maybe there'll be a christmas tree in the background of that famous spaghetti slurping scene maybe or something well pixar had a couple announcements or i guess one announcement rather new new films on the horizon for pixar and disney both i should say uh, the pixar movie is called soul uh, this will be the second film after the upcoming is it onward or onwards one of those two which is the film that's going to have chris pratt and tom holland as brothers in this fantasy world that looks very interesting uh looks an original property don't know what's going on with that one not 100 percent sold on it but i trust pixar this next one though soul patrick is a little bit out there and this is the kind of movie that we know pixar for The cast includes Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, David Diggs of Blindspotting, Felicia Rashad, and someone named Questlove, who I'm personally not familiar with. The movie will also feature music from John Batiste, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. Let that sink in for a second. The musicians behind Nine Inch Nails and the scores for numerous David Fincher films are going to be scoring a movie for Disney-Pixar. I I don't know what that means, but it has my attention.
1: We're going to get our first R-rated Pixar movie is what we're
0: getting. <laughs> maybe we're so. Getting. Well, the premise of the movie is this. Soul imagines that every person on Earth comes pre-installed with a soul formed and perfected in a cosmic realm. Jamie Foxx will play a middle school music teacher on Earth who dreams of playing at legendary New York jazz club The Blue Note. After the wrong step into an open sewer grate, Joe slips back into his soul form back in the other realm with some existential work to do before he might land his big gig. This sounds like some weird merger between Inside Out and Coco to me. Um I, I have no idea what to believe is going to be happening in this film,
1: Patrick. I think it's a Twilight Zone episode in disguise, honestly. I think, I think we're going to have Jordan Peele at some point coming out and making some kind of weird monologue. This is, it's a Twilight Zone episode in disguise. I think that's what it is.
0: That would be really funny.
1: (laughs) You know, the thing is, it sounds original enough to get me excited because of the fact that it's one of the first couple of Pixar movies that isn't a sequel of some kind. And, and I appreciate that. I think that while telling stories from Established IPs is good. Telling stories from original IPs <laughs> is even better because you're testing out an audience to see if you can get maybe a built in love for that kind of group. I think movies like Up and Wally, you know, these are, these are very endearing and they didn't need sequels. They didn't need follow ups because they had that Pixar punch. I feel like soul is going to give us that again. We also have The Good Dinosaur that came from their repertoire. So it could be The Good Dinosaur or it could be Up. And that's the thing with Pixar is you're willing to give it a shot, but it's usually a home run or a swing and a miss with them.
0: Yeah. I think for me, it's it's almost always going to be a home run or a triple. I, I mean, The Good Dinosaur for me and, and maybe a couple other really, really bad sequels were as low as they get, but... Man, when they're good, dude, they're they're amazing. They're the best, yep. and so yep, absolutely, it's worth taking that shot for greatness, mm-hmm. essentially. And I'm definitely intrigued by Soul and looking to looking forward to finding out more about that one. Well, the new Disney animated property is an original film. Yay! Last original Disney film we got was Zootopia. I would say, and that's think so, yeah. Original only in the sense that it's an original movie that basically played off of the nostalgia of everything Disney. So it's sort of original, pseudo original, original story, but it's all about calling back to their own stuff. Yeah. This is different. This is called Raya or Raya and the last dragon. Cassie Steele will voice Raya while Aquafina will voice the dragon Sisu. So it sounds like a Mulan sort of situation going on here with, uh, what the heck is the dragon's name? Mushi? I'm, that, somebody's going to yell at me because I call him Bushi. What's his name? <laughs> I don't remember. Oh my gosh, we are failing all over the place. You Google his name while I keep talking. Uh The movie, which is going to be heavily influenced by several Southeastern Asian cultures, is set on an alternate Earth that is filled with dragon clans. Dude, that sounds awesome. And I'm totally here for it. I don't think Disney has ever done anything regarding Southeastern Asian cultures in this Cambodia, Vietnam, uh, part of the world. So using that setting and giving me a movie about dragon clans has me really, really hyped.
1: Yeah. And again, it's that originality that gets me excited because Disney's taken their cues from Pixar. They're like, you know what? We don't need to necessarily go back to the well on this. I love the diversity. I love the exploration of a non-American culture and being able to celebrate, explore, find out more, and get that kind of peek into the Southeastern Asian cultural influence. It's going to be really a big part of this movie. And, uh, yeah, it, I'm pretty excited about it. Also, Aquafina is, like, all over the place when Dude, it comes to Disney stuff.
0: Not just Disney. She's killing it. She's everywhere. And she is making a name for herself as a serious actress. As, yeah. Emma Stone would say in La La Land. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's really cool. Like we, like you said, with the diversity, we are starting to actually have Disney pre- princesses that represent women, no matter what they look like, no matter what culture they come from all over the world. And with Disney being not an American brand any longer and really having not been an American brand for a long time, but having gone worldwide in its appeal, this is awesome. And, it has me way more excited than just another, you know, random fantasy story with a white princess.
1: Absolutely. Personally. Yeah. And Mushu is the name of the drink. I was,
0: did I say Mushy?
1: Mushy. I was, I was close. Mushy. Uh, that's that's what your mouth has in it when you eat potatoes or <laughs> Mushy. It's a little Mushy.
0: Not for us, those, those of us that are keto, because we don't eat
1: much potatoes. <laughs> or in your case, I guess we would cauliflower. Mushy no. cauliflower. Mushy <laughs> cauliflower. But it's Mushu. Not Mushy. No, it's Mushu. Yeah, Mushu.
0: Well, let's uh, talk about some TV announcements, shall we? I want to hit with the biggest one, and that is the trailer for the much-awaited Star Wars series coming on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian, released. Patrick, what were your thoughts about this trailer?
1: Well, this feels really good. This is a series that I think has a lot of fun energy and attitude, I think that long form storytelling is what this was made for or vice versa. This was made for long. Yeah, it was, it's made to be a TV show. I don't want a movie about this. I love the fact that I'm getting a piece of Star Wars history that hasn't been written about, that hasn't been told and allowing some familiarity before and after when this takes place to help set the stage but loved boba fett like jango fett and the mandalorian is a fantastic just i guess third generation if you want to call it that uh adventure series that i can't wait to get get my hands on
0: yeah and it's not boba fett it's not jango right it's, no it's, it's like yeah. just a someone from their race um yeah. and yeah i'm really really excited about this this trailer literally blew me away patrick i had my jaw on the ground when freaking Werner herzog shows up i'm just like what is going on at this point in this show like how did you do that why is he there um i watched it back to back several times in a row and i've watched it a few times since and if there's anything on disney plus that i'm over the moon hyped for it is this this is in day 1 watching episode 1 type of thing for me i will be there i will be f- tracking this one no matter what else i do with regards to disney plus's plethora of content this is the one thing that makes so me, me the most interested
1: let me let me ask you about that because you're not normally a tv guy you and i have these conversations what is it about the mandalorian that has put it at the top of your list and i'll make time for this
0: It is mysterious. I love the fact that he only has his helmet on in the trailer. I'm actually hoping that we go the entire film without him taking his helmet off. I think that would be a really, really cool thing to do. Or at least maybe... I said film, see? Because it's Star Wars. But I hope we go the entire series. Maybe he takes it off in the end or something. I'm projecting. But the point is, I just loved the grittiness of the world that seems to be created. And it's interesting... Because I say the word gritty, and what I mean is grounded and, like, not in the sky, not this big overarching space opera battle, but, like, Mm -hmm. something very down-to-earth, specifically. Yeah. And and I say gritty different than dark, because it's not dark in the sense that you get an idea that the tone is going to be gross or scary or horrific or anything like that, but it just... Made me super intrigued about this character. The action sequences that we saw, while very, very quick, definitely had my attention. They looked cool. It looked really, really crisp. The world building, the landscapes looked amazing. And the score behind it helped sell it for me. And I know that may not be even in the series itself, but it did what it did, or what it was supposed to do, and it grabbed my attention and sucked me in and was like, I'm going to be there.
1: Yeah, it feels very local. It doesn't feel like it has to be an epic adventure story that centers around multiple races. But it's really a detective. It's about a bounty hunter and the adventures of a bounty hunter. It could be essentially an Indiana Jones meets alias type of thing, even though neither of those have to do with bounties. But one of them has Harrison Ford. So I guess that's where my connection is. But, you know, the carbonite and stuff. You could call that but,
0: your connecting point. <laughs>
1: Exactly. But I think, I think you're right. The Mandalorian feels very boots on the ground. It doesn't feel like it has to connect with every big thing. And even though it takes place after, uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I guess before, I don't know, it didn't really matter. It is separated enough that we don't have to reach back. To connect anything, like it feels like it's its own thing, and it can be local, it can be grounded, it can be about the Mandalorian and not about the Mandalorian and his involvement with the midi chlorians, you know, or the whatever.
0: Yeah, and and by keeping it as an unnamed character, so so far it's not somebody we know, Mm -hmm. unlike a movie like Solo, which I enjoyed still. We're not going to be looking for every little connection to a specific character, right? So that character, I'm sure, will have things happen that are referenced in the show and in the world to things that we are familiar with, but we're not going in looking for that and needing that to make it feel connected. Like you said, so it's the disconnected nature of yeah. it in a way that is really enticing to me.
1: Yeah. Detached in a good way.
0: So another announcement about Star Wars that came out was that Ewan McGregor is going to reprise his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi in a limited series for disney plus it's going to be set eight years after revenge of the Sith*, so that means luke would be about eight years old in this series fans have been clamoring for this for a decade and a half now patrick almost two decades now do you think it's been too long or do you think that mcgregor can still pull this off and this is going to be awesome
1: if James Cameron can come out with Avatars two, three, and four so long after the original and get the hype that he does, I have no doubt that Elon McGregor can reprise his role as Obi Wan in this new series. I think the distance actually helps because we're not connecting back to Revenge of the Sith we're not connecting back to Revenge of the Sith necessarily. But I think it leaves room for us to as an audience Have this series that bridges both the events of Sith and his eventual connection with Luke, although I don't think we'll see that. I love the fact that this is happening because retrospectively, looking at the first three movies, episodes one, two, and three, that should have been Kenobi's story equally as much as Anakin's. And I feel like this limited series is going to give him that kind of narrative redemption that he needs.
0: Yep, I think that's what's going to happen as well, and I'm really, really excited to see it. Also in the Star Wars front are a couple other pieces. The Clone Wars is coming back. Fans are super happy about that. They're going to release 12 new episodes starting in February 2020. It also reminds me that I sadly fell off... The uh, rewatch pace that I got on back in the spring, and I'm sad about that. I don't think I'm actually going to be able to finish watching all of that before the final film comes out. We'll see. I mean, there's still time. I could get on a binge and go nuts, but I don't think it's going to happen. I still recommend people watch The Clone Wars if you've never seen it, and I still will get back through my rewatch. Maybe I'll try to get it done before February so that I can pick up with the new season when it kicks off. Uh, And then also Cassian Andor live-action spy series. I believe this might have already been announced, um, but more details came out. This is going to begin shooting sometime next year in London. And this is going to be a live-action series that will further explore the exploits of returning Rogue One stars Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk as Cassian Andor and companion droid K2SO, respectively. It is scheduled to be released on the new Disney Plus streaming platform sometime in 2021. What do you think about this one, Patrick?
1: I'll watch anything with Alan Tudyk. I mean, that's just a given. And I think it's, you know, unlike, the thing is, unlike the Obi-Wan series, I don't know that this is going to have the legs because those two characters were great in Rogue One. But Rogue One, for my money, is kind of forgettable. And so to kind of, have this series come out a number of years like this after the fact i don't look it'll get it'll get some traction but i don't see it being being as successful as it might be i I could be wrong i think the fact that it's a spy series really gives it some uh some credibility it's worth checking out for sure i just i don't know that it's going to have the appeal that um that people think
0: It's got a feel for me because of the word spy series, and that is really
1: (laughs) really what it boils down to. I mean, the characters
0: I like well enough, but our longtime listeners know Rogue One is not something I'm a fan of. This isn't going to be like that, though. I mean, the spy series aspect, what I love about these limited series and the potential that they have living on Disney Plus is experimentation. Not all of them are going to be perfect hits. That's just law of averages tells us that. But Disney is able to really take some risks and attempt to bring the Star Wars brand into a wealth of different genres and play with that idea. That is what has me really excited. Getting the Bounty Hunter-focused series and what that would look like outside of having to worry about always tying it into the space opera. Getting a spy series and not just a subplot in another movie, but an actual fully developed growing series with character development that is all about being a spy in the Star Wars universe that has me super hyped and all this Star Wars news I thought was great Um, I don't even have any Marvel TV news they might have dropped some but it didn't come across my radar if they did
1: no I think a lot of their stuff was announced at Comic-Con
0: yeah that was kind of the problem with uh, this event was Coming just a month after Comic-Con, Disney had already dumped quite a bit of stuff. And I had somebody in our Facebook group was actually saying, you know, where's all the Marvel news? And I was like, dude, they already, you know, they already blew it on us about a month ago. So there's not a lot of new stuff to announce other than a couple casting changes. Well, last up, Patrick, let's just hit a couple of these Disney Plus details. If you're listening and you don't know when Disney Plus is launching, I don't know where you've been. But it is going to be November the 12th. That is on a Tuesday... My question is, will anyone actually go to work that week, Patrick?
1: <laughs> it's uh, highly unlikely. Might as well I will... just get ahead
0: of it and label November 12th as a national holiday right. so we can all stay home and binge. Pre- it's
1: free Thanksgiving because they're giving thanks for the fact that Disney has its own streaming service. That's right.
0: Well, one of the biggest things that came out was that Disney Plus episodes will be released weekly. This will be serial content, not all at once as a lot like the Netflix model. This created a huge debate. There are people very, very passionate on both sides of this to binge or not to binge. What's the better method. Do you have any thoughts on this debate? Where do you land?
1: I will probably always lean towards the serialized format. And it's unfair to say that because having a DVR, and watching things retrospectively, I have the ability to binge if I want to. We watch The Good Doctor, my wife and I do, and we love the show. But we watch it as a, quote, summer series because we just don't have time during the year to sit down and watch these uh, these television shows. So we basically just DVR 22 episodes and watch them, you know, a couple of episodes over the course of, uh, you know, a couple of night or a night. And then let that happen over the course of several weeks. But... I think there's some real, real value in being able to bring back that idea of, of waiting. And I wasn't a huge fan of the Twilight Zone the first season. There were a couple of good episodes, but I liked the fact that I had to wait a week, that we got something to look forward to. Barry's another great example. Binge the first two seasons, excited about the third season, but I'm excited just as much about being able to have something to look forward to. There's a there's an interesting value In looking forward to Sunday night or looking forward to Tuesday night, or looking forward to the next week where you're gonna be able to watch a new episode. More than anything, you have the ability to tell the stories differently from what we're seeing with the Obi Wan series, with the spy series coming out in a couple of years. Gosh, that's crazy to think that. And even the even the Mandalorian. You could have this episodic storytelling, but it furthers a bigger narrative that can leave you with more cliffhangers and more things to think about and more things to look forward to. So there's, there's value in that. So the short answer is I like that model better. So I do too.
0: And I have nothing against people who prefer the binge mode. I certainly have been, you know, binger in my time as well. In fact, I probably binge more than anything. Maybe that's because it's available and it's an option. Um, not necessarily because I prefer it in my life right now with the busyness that I have and the amount of entertainment that I try to take in on any given week. I love being able to section it off to little bits at a time. And I too really enjoy being able to look forward to something.
1: There's something to be said. You and I have talked about this offline when you were going through your watch of Barry. I don't know where you are in the, in Just the season one, Yeah. And it's great to be able to get your reaction, but you remember one of the things I said was, I wish I was watching this with you because the discovery, the surprises, everything that comes with experiencing a show or a movie together, something about the community of being able to experience that together, which you guys were able to capture with game of Thrones, starting with the, the long night episode. And There's something about rallying around and being part of that community when you don't necessarily get that with a binge because you'll watch 12 episodes of something that has taken place a year prior. You're not necessarily going to be a part of the conversations as opposed to being a part of a group that is experiencing those things at the same time you are. You could you could
0: binge it two weeks, Patrick, after it releases and you miss the conversation because- The entertainment world, the people that we talk to on a daily basis, even the people in your office at your water cooler, they've moved on to the next binge show that dropped in full. And so you'll always be behind those people that want to consume it all in the first weekend. And I also love the thing that you mentioned about how the stories are told. When you're writing episodes for a binge type of show, for a show that's going to be all at once, you write it differently than if it's serial. I don't know how Disney is necessarily going to do this. I don't know if they're going to just do it all at once and then release them once in a week. I would assume so. That's more like the Game of Thrones model. It's not um, like a sitcom where they're literally on set filming each week as they go. But there is just something different about leaving people with a week worth to talk about because when you do that in a show that people can watch back to back to back to back, those conversations just aren't going to happen because people aren't going to stop after episode four to converse with other people about what happened in episode four. They're going to just let Netflix roll on over to episode five and keep right on going. And by the time they're done with episode five, there's a cliffhanger there. They forgot what happened at the end of episode four, or it's no longer relevant. And so, yeah, I love this. I'm glad that they're going to try it. I don't necessarily think it needs to be an all or none type of issue. I think Disney would be fine putting out, like, say, all of the what-if episodes at one time if they wanted. And then other shows like The Mandalorian, I would love to see be serialized.
1: Yeah, I think when you you have the option to do both, it's a fantastic opportunity. Because, as you said, you write and you market for the type of show that you're producing. Something like The Twilight Zone could be done in a binge-type thing because you have episodic stories that aren't necessarily connected to each other, but it would work just as well as a weekly show because of that same fact. So it's got a lot of potential and um, I, I love the community aspect around it. I remember thinking about, I was watching a, a video on the, the ending of Lost. I got kind of caught up in a YouTube black hole. And I remember thinking and reminiscing about the fact that once I got caught up with Lost, it was a weekly thing to go over to friends' houses and watch Lost and just experience that in real time of like, oh my gosh, did that just happen? Or, oh, did you see that? And I think it's Lost when it comes, no pun intended. Wow. Sorry. (laughs) I think that that gets taken away when you have series that, either aren't meant to be binged but because they're collected on netflix or disney plus or another streaming platform people watch in chunks or you know in my case when you dvr a tv series it's the conversation that 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 gets kind of thrown out the window but it's also that experiential like real time like being able to experience those surprises together like sitting on the couch together and being able to say, dude, did you see that? Oh my gosh. I can't believe that happened because even when you're going through a series like Barry, I'm a week removed from watching the series, the first two seasons and you're throwing stuff back at me and I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that. And I get, and I go, wow, man, I wish I could be watching this for the first time so that we could both get that jaw dropping experience together. I feel like it's sort of an echo at that point when you know, you're telling me stuff or vice versa. If I'm watching something that you've seen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you can never, ever converse with me about that show without knowing the context of what will happen that I don't know yet. Right. So even if you try to, you have that knowledge, right? Whether you like it or not. So it was always going to be different and you're going to be differently speaking. You're going to be careful it's going to change the way we interact. So absolutely. it sounds like we're both big, big fans of this serial decision. And I'm excited to see what this does for Netflix. Not only Disney plus like challenging Netflix's subscription model um, and the way that they do things, but just the sheer number of people that have signed up for it because Patrick and listeners, there is a deal going on right now that is absolutely bonkers and ridiculous. And Disney One article said in their headline, Disney Plus goes for the jugular, and I think that is the perfect way to express what they did. Currently, it's been going on for about a week now, and it will last until September the 2nd, so you still have a few days if you're listening to this right after it dropped. Disney is offering a three-year deal if you sign up for D23, which is their fan club, the membership club that is part of what this expo that they had exists for you can actually sign up for the free version of the D23 membership and still get this deal. You have to make a three year commitment, but what happens is you get Disney Plus for around $140 for three years. And that comes out to just under $4 a month for those three years. So essentially you're gonna get Disney Plus for like $3.90 a month for three year period. This is incredible. I know quite a few people who have jumped on this and If you know that you want this service and you're going to be subscribing to it and you have the income available to be able to make this purchase, it's really a no-brainer. You're literally getting a year for free. You're buying two and getting one free. I was shocked when I looked up what Disney Plus is going to give you. It's going to give you, I believe it was up to like four concurrent streams at any time and like seven unique accounts within your Disney Plus account that you could have seven profiles for individuals to use, um, they're going to have 4K as part of it for free. Dude, <laughs> the service is amazing. If you have any interest at all in Disney content, which hello, clearly box office numbers show that everybody does. It's a, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know. I mean,
1: it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it really is a no brainer. And it's something that if you're even remotely interested in Disney or Disney related content, you'll want to jump on this because at that, Price point, even though it's for a finite period, it's three years, which you know three years can go by pretty quickly. It allows for the ability to not have to make a choice, because I know that there are a lot of people who are dropping Netflix in favor of Disney Plus. In fact, the um, the deal that I like is the whole Disney Plus Hulu, ESPN Plus package. It's like twelve dollars a month. To me, that would be an even trade off for my Netflix account because I get the same price point and I get triple the benefits. I get all the Disney Plus stuff plus my ESPN plus, plus so much plus. It's a plus package. Plus Hulu plus. Yeah. Plus plus plus, plus 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 plus.
0: And and actually I should note that those are not part of this deal. Right. So there's no currently there's no like you know plus up program where you can add those to your package. It's just Disney Plus itself. It's not the grouping of those three services that you're getting with this deal.
1: Yeah. So it's exciting, and if you if you need Disney Plus, then jump on that. But if you also need FF Plus, we know that we are here for you. Lots of pluses, And, and that does it for this episode of FF Plus. We're glad that you were able to join us and enjoy the conversation. In the next couple of days, be looking in your podcast feed as we will be bringing you our next full episode on varsity blues kicking off football season it is in full swing as of this episode so if you are a football fan college football specifically know that we're going to be celebrating with varsity blues jb huffman's going to be joining us for that episode and then we will be bringing you a late edition of our august donor pick the wizard of oz it is the 80th anniversary we'll be just missing it but we'll still celebrate because you know why not
0: Hopefully we don't have any UCLA Bruin fans that are listening to this. (laughs) Not the best start.
1: Not quite. Not quite. Aaron, thank you for another great conversation and we will talk soon. Hey,
0: everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you.